You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. With Andy Hart. No, it's a really interesting point. Andy. This microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> no, I think I said that, Andy. And Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, Hannibal, Mr.comer on WEI.com. Second home game of the year. Second win at home for the Patriots. Third overall. 30-14 to 14 over the Jets. Not as really uh, close of a game as the final score indicated, wouldn't you say, Andy? Especially since the final score indicates that they gave up touchdowns, and the defense at least did not give up touchdowns, did not give up points again. Uh, you had a uh, pick six interception for Jarrett Stidham, who came in in the fourth quarter, and you had a muffed punt for Gunnar Olszewski that led to the two touchdowns. But yeah, it was it was a weird game in that I thought it was kind of boring, sort of non-competitive. Patriots scored on their first two drives, took a thirteen nothing lead, and then. You had some injuries, and you had Gordon in and out. Edelman left in the second quarter, and you kind of sputtered a little bit offensively. But still, a a dominating win. I mean, in terms of an NFL win, where you look around the league, and so many games go down to the wire or overtime. um, Three weeks in, and the Patriots haven't even been challenged uh, a tiny bit yet. What was the analogy used after the game? It was like a preseason game where, where one team played their starters and the other one just decided not to? Yeah, uh, that's what it looked like. And, you know, you, you had the Jets with Luke Falk making his first uh, NFL start. You had Le'Veon Bell, obviously, who's a good player, but he's not going to be able to carry a team, especially against a defense like the Patriots are playing right now. Um, defensively, uh, no Mosley. Um, Jets were down some players. And you still have Jamal Adams, but that's that's a second-tier team in the NFL right now. There's no question about that. And the Patriots are a first-tier team, maybe the best team in the NFL. And, even with the whole Antonio Brown thing and him being taken from the offense, yeah, that sucks some life out of the offense. I think it takes away sort of that high-end potential of them maybe all these comparisons we heard all week about 07 and 19-0. and 0. I think we could probably put those to rest now, but um, this is still an offense with a lot of talent and a lot of questions because of personnel. I mean, we look at left tackle Marshall Newhouse, third left tackle starter in three games for the Patriots, um, no James White, birth of a child. No Pro Bowl fullback James Devlin. Um, couldn't really get the running game going with Sony Michelle at all. But they still score 30 points. They still find a way to put the game in, in so, sort of play the game on their terms, score the first couple times, and make sure whoever it is, whether it's you know a bad Dolphins team or Ben Roethlisberger or, or Luke Falk making his NFL first start, um, make them play catch-up, make them play from behind, and that only makes that defense better. 
Coming out of today's game, you know, looking at the offense, the Patriots offense, I don't think that anything really majorly positive came from the game. It was more concerning, where you're concerned about the offensive line not getting the running game going. You're concerned about the receiving corpse because of Julian Edelman's injury. I guess maybe... I know you probably feel differently, but you can look at Josh Gordon as a positive. But I just thought there was, looking at the offense, there was probably, you know, looking more negative after the game rather than positive just because of what happened. And that tells you how good they are, quite frankly. Yes. I mean, you had a day where Tom Brady throws for 300-plus yards, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions, 100-and-whatever passer rating, and they score 30 points. And you look at it, and you go, eh, that really wasn't that impressive. It really wasn't that good. And I'd say that's two factors. First of all, that's... The, the Jets being terrible? Well, yeah, this is the Jets being terrible. It's also the reality of how good the Patriots are and the expectations they set. And I also think as a media core and a fan base, we take on the personality of Belichick after a while. You start looking at it and you know, and the players joke about this afterwards, that these are those games where you cruise to a victory. It was non-competitive, basically, after about six minutes of action. And you know he's going to have plenty to criticize when they go over the film on Monday and start working towards the Bills. So I think there's a lot of factors that play there. But to me, the, the two biggest takeaways, if you're going to boil these games and we do these post-game podcasts, two biggest takeaways. One, this defense is really freaking good. I know they haven't been challenged yet, and they're building momentum against sort of non-competitive teams, bad football teams, but they're taking care of business. And I think that's what really good teams do. They beat up on the teams they're supposed to, and then they find a way to get the job done against the good teams. And so down the line, when you start facing Baltimore or Baker Mayfield and the Browns or maybe Daniel Jones and the Giants now or certainly Kansas City, um, some of these teams, it may be closer. You may give up points, obviously, but you're building momentum. You're building confidence in doing what you're supposed to do. And then the flip side would be a more negative, Julian Edelman leaving with a chest injury, a rib injury. It was officially listed as a chest injury. Apparently he had his ribs x-rayed and there was nothing there, but um, left in the second quarter, did not return, was ruled out in the fourth quarter, which may seem like a minor thing, but in the way the Patriots have dealt with injuries over the years, when a guy is officially ruled out while the game is still going on, it's usually not a great sign. It's usually a little bit more of a serious injury. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what he is because you lose Antonio Brown, or don't lose him, you decide to lose him as of Friday after his idiocy and circus of the 11 days, and now you lose Edelman, that's going to spread that receiving core a little bit thin. Now you have to learn, lean on Josh Gordon, lean on your guy, Philip Dorsett. Um, maybe Jacoby Myers has to step up. Who knows? So, you know, I think there's, there's no questions about the defense right now, and there's some growing questions maybe a little bit about the offense. So Gordon had his role expanded a lot in today's game, Sunday's game. I think he, he could ba- keep up. He battled through a lot to just stay on the field. He hurt his finger on, on one play, missed some time to get some work done by the medical staff, landed hard on his side on another play in the sideline. It was in obvious pain. I, I don't know. I just thought that just looking at the way that his teammates talked about him after the game, they were pretty impressed with how tough he was to stay on the field and make the plays that he did. Yeah, there were times where he looked gassed and might be a little bit out of shape, but this was a, a different role for him. I don't think he was used to playing all these snaps. It was 85 degrees. I think that you have to give Josh Gordon a lot of credit from this game and I I took more positives, I guess, out of his performance than you did. Yeah, I think Josh Gordon's been pretty inefficient the last two weeks down in Miami Um, and now maybe you're right. Maybe he's just out of shape and he's not um, able to play in these hot 
games because it was obviously Bill Belichick, Tom Brady said last week in Miami, hottest game they've ever been a part of. And then unseasonably warm, I guess you'd say, for late September in Foxborough today, um, in the mid-80s, sunny day. Maybe he'll get better as the season wears on. Um, you know, I just thought he looked like he was dragging ass a little bit. Um, the the throws to him, I thought he had a couple drops. He had an ugly, to me it should have been a touchdown in the end zone. Ran a little fade in the corner. What would you say to me, Antonio Brown would have caught that? He definitely would have caught that. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind, and most really good NFL receivers would. I thought he looked awkward. He was stumbling backwards, backpedaling, and hit him way up in the hands, and he, he just... Didn't look athletic, you know. But what about the two plays in the second half? The one on the sideline that he made to catch the two feet in bounce and the one over the middle. Those were pretty impressive. Yeah, they were. And to me, if you are 50-50, hit or miss, some ugly plays and good plays, you're a run-of-the-mill player. And if you're supposed to be a number one receiver, you make 70, 80, 90% of those types of plays. That's the, that's what separates the goods from the greats or the mediocres from the really goods. And I think he's going to be leaned on to be more than just pretty good or mediocre. I think they're going to ask him to be a number one type receiver. I personally never thought that came last year. Um, I thought there were ups and downs, and they leaned on him, and there were some good games and plays, and still these other issues. We talked about this last year, times when it looked like he was out of shape and didn't have the burst, couldn't finish plays, couldn't finish games. Um, we'll see if that's going to be a, a topic to talk about moving forward now because they are going to lean on him. You know, we talked a lot you know, recently about how it's, it was really good for Antonio, uh, for Josh Gordon to have Antonio Brown here on and off the field kind of let him fall down to a number two slash three role behind Brown and Edelman. Well, now all of a sudden, Antonio Brown's gone, and maybe Julian Edelman, too. He's back in your number one role where you got to lean on him. Is he capable of being that? We'll see. We'll see when he has number one corners type uh, coverage on him more often than not. Um, so it's a work in progress. You know, the, the guy in the middle of it all is the guy you have all the trust in, right? Tom Brady um, shows no cliff, right? No signs of a cliff yet. coming at all. Um, I think he's had a really good three-game start to the season with really sort of a lot going on around him. Probably the more the most he's had, you know, to deal with in, you know, at least five, six years maybe. A, a really long time. And, I, that, you know, I wrote that for a post-game column just even going back to the summer when he, he didn't really get a chance to practice with these guys. They were on lists and they're coming in and then Brown is in and Gordon's back and Edelman's back and Edelman's hurt. You don't have a run game because – you know, if we're going to really dive into some of the other aspects of the game, Sony Michelle is not having a good start to the season. Now, is that him or the offensive line? Probably a combination of both, just like it always is. Just like the end of last year wasn't all Sony Michelle when they were putting together those opening drives against the Chargers and Chiefs that were going whatever it was, 10, 12 plays right down the field. That's the offensive line. The offensive line played really well. You don't have a mammoth Trent Brown playing left tackle and blocking for you. You don't have David Andrews in the middle of the line right now. Um, you have Marcus Cannon back at right tackle this week after missing last week, but who knows where he is in terms of uh, 100%, 80%, 90%, whatever in there somewhere. So, you know, I think the line is definitely a work in progress. So, God, Dick, Scarnaghi can only do so much is what you're saying. He can't take – he can't make Ted Karras into something he isn't. And I think Ted Karras is a backup lineman in the National Football League. A good one, but not a guy that you want to count on for 16 games plus whatever in the playoffs. Correct. And so it sort of is what it is. I mean, Marshall Newhouse is a journeyman veteran left tackle. Now he's your starter. He's not a first-round pick. He's not. I can tell you this. I don't believe Marshall Newhouse 
if he had to play the rest of the season, would get a $60 million free agent contract like the last two guys yeah. that played left tackle for the Patriots have. Yes. So you're not dealing with the same talent level up front. And, you know, I don't think Michelle is running well. Um, now, the other instant thing, we didn't really, you know, see any Damian Harris. And he was active for the first time. You know, we talked about, mentioned James White, uh, birth of his child, so he's inactive. But Damian Harris didn't play on offense. They didn't even give him a chance. Now, Rex Burkhead, I thought, had a really nice game. He's having a nice start to the year. Uh, Very much so. Now my only concern being negative is, yeah, because every time you try to, you know, make him into whatever you think he can be, he gets nicked up and has to deal with an injury. So I think that bears watching. But for the here and for the now, yeah, I think he's been really productive and been really good. That made some really nice plays. Um, But it's just... There, there's Tom Brady standing in the middle of it, and then everything else is just moving parts all around him. You know, it's sort of just, you know, you're trying to put together the meal, and all the ingredients keep changing to steal a, a Bill Parcells line. So um, it, it's so weird because we're not used to this, but if you made me say, you know, who, who's the better side of the ball, it's not even close right now. By opinion. a mile. It's, it's, it's the defense, and that's front to back. That's everybody. Um you know, the depth, the talent, the versatility, whether it's stuffing the run, pressuring the quarterback, covering in the back end. I mean, there was a highlight real play today that unfortunately didn't count, but um, Falk tried to throw a back shoulder fade down the right sideline. And Stefan Gilman, I'm not sure who the intended receiver was. Robbie forget, Anderson, I think. It may have been Anderson. So Anderson really didn't stop, didn't react. Gilmore was like he was the receiver reacting to the play like a receiver who had worked with a quarterback for, you know, multiple years, made a great diving catch. They said he was out of bounds. Bill wasn't interested in challenging. Um, but it was a great athletic play, and they, they just have the ability to make so many of those. Jamie Collins, a couple Best player on the defense. Lost. I would argue, you know, I think Gilmore, because of the position, um, might get the nod because he's playing really well too. But Jamie Collins has been, you know, just – a guy that I don't know what people really thought was coming back to New England. What happened in Cleveland? Because he wasn't doing this in Cleveland the last couple of years. No, I mean he was he was okay. He was good last year in Cleveland. He had a hundred and whatever tackles, but just sort of run of the mill. But not, you know. I think part of it is just the depth of talent. He's surrounded by a lot of talent. There's a lot of good players on this defense. And you know, somebody asked me that the other day. Why, why is this defense so good? Who gets the credit? And I said. Nick Casario and Bill Belichick, the GM, you know, whoever's yep. putting the t- – I think they're talented. I think they're really damn good. I don't think it's a lot of scheme right now or tricking anybody or, you know, trying to coach it up, quote-unquote. I think they have every play 11 good players on the field, and on any given play there's about four or five other guys that they can rotate through that are also good players to change up the looks and do different things. So um, I think they're just a really talented front right now. Um, we really can't do this podcast without mentioning Antonio Brown. Uh, his release on Friday. That went on a big Twitter tirade that was had some tweets deleted on Sunday morning before the game. Some would argue he did it on purpose to be the talk of the pregame shows. Deleted those tweets, left one up, one of which actually took a shot at Patriots owner Robert Kraft. Left up the one saying he was plans on retiring from the NFL. Um, it was a big storyline after the game. Bill Belichick didn't want to talk about it. It seemed like the majority of the players that were asked about it, too, really didn't want to get into discussions about it. But, I mean, it's hard to say just based on the reporting that we've seen. What, what's your take? Do you think the Patriots locker room was upset with the move? Were they in favor of the move? What, what's your read on, on that? I think the 
bulk of the players are get glad he's gone. Um, I think there's a lot of people that didn't even want him there in the first place. I do think there was a lot of defensive players that really had no interest in him because he didn't benefit them. Um, I think Philip Dorsett, who has a little bit of a history with him, sort of a, looked up to him a little bit, um, was a little, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. He, I don't think he's happy to see him gone. But I think um, he's, more, on him, I think he was more disappointed at what Brown did with his opportunity rather than the Patriots, what they did to get rid of him. It could be, because I can't imagine any player thinking that it he was unfairly released. Of course I just, not. I, I can't even fathom that. And I will also say, I thought Tom Brady was very reserved post-game in terms of his emotion, his answers in his post-game press conference. It was a relatively short one. And then he seemed very happy. He put out one of his little, whatever those videos are that he puts out post Yeah, with his father and son. How cute. Yeah. um, I thought his mood was a lot better. His energy was a lot better, praising all his teammates, which... It was just weird, so you never know really where he is, what's fake, what isn't. It's sort of the classic Brady. Here's my read. Maybe he was mad after the game because he didn't know what was going to happen with Julian Edelman. Then on the ride home, Jules texted him, said, going to be okay, bubs, and he's happy now. Wow, we're reading a lot into that, huh? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Um, Maybe that's true, but I also, Julian Edelman's getting nicked up a little. He's back to Julian Edelman where he gets hurt a lot. Um, But that's to be expected, quite frankly. Well, I know, but only because it's Julian Edelman. Yep. It was never expected with Wes Welker. For six straight years, Wes Welker was out there basically every week, got up every time. This is a little Edelman is the guy that has struggled to stay on the field more often than not in his career. Uh, and this season, it's already a few injuries with the thumb and uh, nicking him up early and then sort of re-aggravating it. And then, you know, now you have this chest-slash-rib injury. Um, and you look around the league, this is the year of the injury. I don't think there's any question about that early on. You see a guy like Saquon Barkley uh, get hurt today, and obviously all the quarterbacks that are already dealing with injuries. Um, injuries alter these teams, these games so often, and the Patriots, if Edelman is out for any period of time, whether it's a week, two weeks, that dramatically changes the way this team looks because we know how Brady just loves to throw to him and loves when anything is up in the air when there's any concern or uncomfortable. I mean, the guy played one half today and was targeted ten times, I think. Right. He also had one of the ugliest drops he's had in his career, but we'll move past that quickly. Then he made a nice diving catch over the middle on third and ten. Came right back to him, which is good, I guess. Certainly what Brady does. I don't think Brady's ever going to blackball Julian Edelman. But, um, yeah, I thought Brady's emotion was interesting in light of two weeks of Antonio Brown where, you know, Brown was a circus, but Brady was a part of that circus in a lot of ways. Yeah, the, of, coming over his house and liking right, the and original the, comments. I'm a million percent in, and then he was clearly a little perturbed. I thought with Robert Kraft for those comments getting out and Drew yep. Rosenhaus for some of the comments he let out. And there was just a lot going on around Brady. And I said this to you, um, you know this. I think Brady was excited about Antonio Brown. I think he wanted to get back to slinging it all over the field and making a ton of plays and points and yards and records and types of things like that. And I think he knows that that's gone now because Antonio Brown, for all his faults, off the field, on the field is a Gronk-like... He's a top-five receiver in the league. He's a game-changer. But even more than that, he's he's a a, a central figure for an offense. He's a guy that teams just have to game-plan for and prepare for and... He is a focal point for the offense and for the defense trying to stop that offense, and and that's what you lose now. Now, 
in the long run, I think you're better off for it because as much as I was in favor of bringing those talents in because of what he can do for an offense and to a defense, you saw that he's just unhinged right now off the field. And I don't know if this is forever, but he's more trouble than he's worth. I mean, the, the way he – these tenures with teams get shorter and shorter. Like Oakland never played in the game. It was the offseason. That seemed short. Boom. Bill Belichick, you've met your match. I'm not even going to make it two weeks with your team before you have to kick me out of town. Um, so, you know, I it played itself out, and I think in the long run over the course of the season, the Patriots are better off now than trying to make this work because I think it would have blown up at some point. Worse, later, than, it, worse than it did. Yeah, I think just, you know, the lingering, just having him over the team, getting questions every day, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen every time you check Twitter, what report, what scandal, what else is going to come out. There was just so much unknown with him, and it seemed like it was getting it was getting worse rather than getting any better. And so, yeah, I think ultimately in the, in the long run, while they're not as talented on offense, I think they can breathe a little bit easier, and, you know, everybody in the organization and in the locker room can sort of, just, just breathe happier and not have to worry about things on a daily basis. And you can just figure out who you are. Sort of like they did without Josh Gordon last year. They figured out who they were, became a running team, defense, whatever, go win the Super Bowl. Now it's only three weeks into the season. Figure out who you are. Build for the long haul. Maybe this is the opportunity that Philip Dorsett needs. You know, I think he's a guy that certainly has talents. And in the two games without Antonio Brown this year, has three, three touchdowns. touchdowns. And not only touchdowns, not these little goal line flips or six yarders. Yeah, that's all you think he does. Yeah, he he can make some big plays. I think he's showing that. Well, he has shown it in two of the three games this year for really the first time in his career. I would love to see it keep going because I love Philip Dorsett, the person. I think he's a really cool guy, a nice guy. I think he works hard. I think he's the type of guy you want on your team. He's about as far away as you can get from what you would think he is as a first-round pick out of Miami. There's no diva. There's no swagger. Good point. Any of that. So I would love to see him become this, become, you know, not, you know, 16 touchdowns. But yeah, he's not going like to be a number one guy. guy. Yeah. No, but be a playmaker when he can be a playmaker, not just a complimentary weapon. Um, and I think if he's out there with Gordon and with Edelman, I mean, those are three pretty good receivers. Factor in James White, Rekas Burkhead, you have, some, you have some depth in the passing game. Notice you didn't mention the tight end position. Well, yeah, because you really don't have one right now. You have Matt. You have Matt Lacoste, who was inactive with an ankle injury, and then you had Ryan Izzo, who was active. Yeah, big play, big play. Yeah, because the Jets decided not to cover him in that play. Well, Def- you know what happens. Yeah, it happens when you're the Jets. But yeah, you never they, know. He could have dropped it. He could have, but then that would have been worse than Julian Edelman's drop. But they, th- th- that position does get something coming back in two weeks with the return of Benjamin Watson. So that group's going to be upgraded. And then again, you're changing the offense for really, you know, a fifth time this year. And maybe after that, it'll get upgraded even more. Because yeah, 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 yeah. Get rid yeah, of the yeah. Antonio Brown circus. We can get back to the when is Gronk coming out of retirement circus, right? We'll have to save that for later on. But the, okay. I guess we have to mention Steven Guskowski, another missed extra point. This was the first one of the game, and which actually got booze from the crowd. And then when he made his second extra point, he got a huge mock cheer throughout Gillette Stadium. Um, he's in a slump. He's struggling. He's snuffling, whatever you want, the yips. Uh, how much of it has to do with Jake Bailey's holds, whether they're off or whether that has just caused his confidence to be off. Um, I think they only are the ones who really know that, but... Yeah, he missed two PATs and a field goal last week in Miami. He missed the PAT this week. 
He's missed kicks in two of three regular season games and three of four preseason games. Um, this is a little bit of an extended slump right now, but I know you and I both agree there's really not much you can do about it. That it's sort of the same thing that you said about the way that we look at just the games as a whole with sort of like a negative lens. I feel like it's the same with Koskowski. You look across the league, kickers missing kicks left and right. Like, that's just the nature of the position, and you're not going to... Uh, not, not sure many, too many kickers have missed three PATs in the last two weeks. No, but just as as a whole, you're not going to get much better than Koskowski. Like, what's your upgrade? What, what are you going to get if you bring a guy off the street? You're not. If In all honesty, if you were ever pushed to the point where you said, I'm going in a different direction you probably should get ready to have multiple kickers the rest of the year. You may not even have one to finish out the year. So you're stuck with it. you got to ride it out. you got to find a way to get through it. They've dealt with this at various points, not as bad, I would say, but at various points over his career and have been comfortable with him, resigned him a number of times, have made him very highly paid. So whether it's maybe he needs a, a, a tighter game for a game-winning kick to to boost his confidence or just reps and maybe he and Bailey will just get more comfortable together. I think you just, you find a way you ride it out because you're not going to do any better. And it hasn't reached the point where you can't live with Steven Gustafs. You got anything else from this game today? Uh, I think the Patriots really missed James Devlin, their Pro Bowl fullback. Oh, of course we can't do this podcast without a mention, but you're, you're honestly, you're right. Their running game was bad and yep. You have to give, that's James Devlin's role. Guys follow him, and they didn't have him today. Even Jacob Janssen, who we thought might have a role, really, he wasn't really active much in in, in the offense. So nope. th- that that definitely impacted things and, and certainly goes into the way that the running game performed overall. Yeah, no question. So takeaways from this game, defense is still dominant. They haven't given up a touchdown. They didn't give up any points. Um, they're still sort of in a historic start to a regular season here. Offensively, you got to watch what this, where this goes with Julian Edelman and his chest-slash-rib injury. You need to get the ground game going. You need to figure out the offensive line as part of that, I would say. Um, Gunnar Olszewski with the muffed punt. It, my guess is they're not going to cut him. I know everybody, you know, you no. to the Riley McCarron. Yeah, uh, but they went right back to Gunnar, too, like the next spring. Right. And he stood up and answered the question. Which was telling, there's been a lot of rookies that haven't. Chris, Chris Harper Cyrus comes Jones. to mind. Yes. Cyrus Jones couldn't run far enough away anytime. <laughs> Hell, Matt Light over his career, anytime he sucked against Jason Taylor, would run and hide. So I have a lot of uh, respect for Gunnar Olszewski getting back out there. Um, I mean, getting in front of the media and, and answering questions and getting back out there and doing his job. So, yeah, I, I actually don't think he has anything to worry about for the here and for the now. I just wouldn't do it a second time. Definitely not, because then he's probably going to be gone. Correct. So we will be back uh, middle of the week. We'll have a midweek podcast previewing the game against the Bills, the 3-0 and Buffalo Bills. And That's right. Undefeated Patriots, undefeated Bills in Buffalo on Sunday with the AFC East on the line. Cut the tension with a knife. Uh, yeah, I feel it. We will be talking probably a lot of Josh Gordon, probably some updates on Julian Edelman, potentially some player guests, little sneak peeks, some bonus editions of the off-day podcast potentially coming this week, something coming in the works that we're excited about. Um, but other than that, I guess you, we're good, right, Andy? You better believe it. Sorry for the audio quality if it's not great, but we're always working on that area as well. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you later.